What is going on? Happy Friday. The gang is all here. Adam Lefko at Adam Lefko, Kyle Scott at Crossing Broad, and Russell Joy at Joy on Broad. Hit us up on iTunes, leave a five-star comment and review, and I will make sure to read it on the next podcast. Uh, we also take Twitter questions, which I know Russ has put out stuff last night. Uh, I put out on Twitter last night that I probably wasn't going to make this show because I got invited to play beer pong. And, uh, yeah, just another night of being undefeated. It's, uh, you know, it's good. But I I decided I was going to leave, and then I, I saw, like, a bunch of young people, and I was like, I can't be here anymore. Came home, ate a piece of pizza, which I shouldn't have done because I feel like shit right now. And I watched the end of the Phillies game. And other than Nick Williams being amazing, I knew they were going to blow it, and they blew it in the eighth. But, man... It, they're just, it's tough. They, they, they lost on a wild pitch. It was killer. There's I'm pretty just, sure I was asleep before the first pitch of the game. Uh, there's different spots in our lives. Hey, you're not one of those assholes who calls a Beirut, are you? No, not okay. at all. Okay. It's the just funny checking. thing about beer pong. So beer pong is like the one thing in my life that it's, it's like if you were like, what is your professional sport? Like Kyle, yours would be blogging. Uh, Russell would be following me on Twitter. Um, what is your professional sport? Uh, I won like a... 6 There you go. There you go. I won a 61-team beer pong tournament when I was in college. I uh, won a free spring break to Miami. But what's funny is, is like I naturally get way too competitive over really dumb things like mini golf, stuff like that. Um the most annoying part about playing beer pong is all of the young, like, just bros that just walk up to you and go, yo, 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 anybody got next? And I'm like, yeah, dude, like, we're in the middle of the whole fucking bar. Like, a lot of people have called next. But, um, yeah, I can only hang out for a little bit because eventually you're just like, I don't want to spend my time with these people. There's something inherently sad about going undefeated in beer pong and riding an emotional high and then looking yourself in the mirror and saying, you know what? I'm going to go home and watch the Phillies and have a piece of pizza. Yeah, it was more like it was more like I was standing in like I went and met some other people at a bar for somebody's birthday party and I the bar was packed and there was a line outside and I was like, "Yeah, I'm too old for this shit." And I just asked girls like, "Where's the best pizza place around here?" and grabbed a slice, walked home, sat down and went, "Oh yeah, the Phillies are up 4 to 3 in the 6. I'll watch, idiot." Um, is New York the only place that has beer pong in bars because the only time i think i've ever played it in a bar was somewhere in manhattan no that's no there's it's all though i mean i know i played it in nebraska okay. i've never seen and beer Kentucky. pong at a bar yeah like i can't recall seeing it in the state of pennsylvania at a bar or new jersey for that matter i oh, i don't know yeah. if it's well sounds like i know there are there is like venture. a drinking game like there is a drinking game something or other for for philly bars i believe someone someone absolutely can correct us on this if i'm wrong but uh uh, I, I'm with you on the beer pong competitive thing. I have an arthritic uh, right ring finger from I used to uh, my sophomore college apartment. I used to punch holes in the drywall um, if we missed a big shot. And my finger now has a crooked knuckle and is arthritic. Wow, you're a real Brian Baldinger. Ooh, I am. I am. Yeah, it's 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 fucked up looking. Never had it looked at either. I just kind of like let it fester that whole year, and it sort of has set itself into a misshapen place yeah if you want to like really learn about people if you play beer pong and you kind of just see how competitive they are 
it's a good litmus test for what kind of a person they are. Like I'm, I'm just way too focused. Like I, I just stop talking to my friends and it's just, you know, I'm, I'm locked in and, uh, yeah, it's, it's I hate a, it's the, it's just person. the game guy, the guy who's like, oh, it's just the game It's just for fun. I don't care if we, you know, who's like just sort of dicking around and, and I hate that guy. I hate guy that's trying to flirt with every girl at the bar guy. And so he just keeps giving celebrity shots and like you're just you're just standing there forever like waiting for him to keep macking when like the only reason he's having any success is because he's at the table that people are waiting to get on that's just one of mine are girls allowed to blow in your rule book uh yeah i don't care okay are you a bounce guy are you an elbow no, behind the table i'm just trying I'm to not. figure out your rules I'm a non-bounce one re-rack i prefer no blowing definitely no fingering uh, Russ, do you know what any of that means? Yes, I know what that means. Okay. Thank you. Um, I prefer to play with beer in the cup, but I understand playing with water in the cup. Um, oh, and you I like, like playing to play, with the beer? Like to, oh, beer in the and cup. And I like to play island. Mm-mm. What, Russ? Wait, Russ is about to say something. He's about to Russ angry. thinks it's disgusting I said, that you play. I, I don't li- yeah, I don't like... Look, I'm, I'm anti-lemon in, in my bar water, so uh, I'm definitely anti dirty fingers in a uh, in a cup of beer not just beer dirty pop. fingers dirty like dirty t- like the dirty ball floor. the balls hit the table the floor especially if you're in a bar that's that's just nasty i'll tell you what though it kind of, it's kind of like adding old bay it's it's got a nice little zest to it i guess it yeah, does have a little bit of a uh, a little bit of an incentive to get the game over with fast so that you have to drink less of contaminated beer yeah um so so the fact that you had asked, uh, you know, what what our sport would be, um, I'm looking at the fact that ESPN is going to turn ESPNU into ESPN Eight the Ocho. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off. Um, and I I have to say I'm I'm very excited to uh, to see the people I'm going to aspire to be at 4 a.m. on August 8th. They're going to be showing the 2016 Sky Zone Ultimate Trampoline Dodgeball. That sounds pretty cool to me. I guess if I get to pick one of these things, that well, that's you'll probably... be up four a.m. with your kids screaming, so it's perfect. Yeah, Adam will still be. I don't want to be coming home from the bar. Yeah, no, he'll be that, he'll be back from the bar eating pizza. Last night was one of those moments where I looked around and was like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. Um, <laughs> these people are stupid. Uh, yeah, it's funny that ESPN is doing the Ocho. Man, it would have been really good for them to do it like 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. So it's a whole channel. It's not just like a, a one-time no, they're event. Doing it they're for no, it's, it's, it's one day. It's August oh, okay. 8th. Yeah, okay. they're, doing, they're doing it on 8-8. Um, they're turning – it's going to be on ESPNU. So let me let me go Which down no one the, gets to begin with. So it's a disc golf championship, then roller derby championship, Sky Zone Ultimate Trampoline Dodgeball. Firefighters World Challenge 25. I don't know what that is. Kabaddi World Cup Final, which I started reading about. Sounds really intense. World Darts Championship, then arm wrestling. Um, championship of bags. I don't. Is that cornhole? That would be a really stupid competitive pro sport, but whatever. Uh, oh, whoa, I don't know. World, that's, that's I would watch now. it. I would yeah, cha- watch it. The overhead world camera championship. on that is excellent. I want to know what Evo 2017 World Championship Street Fighter. Oh, okay, so it's like the uh, like streaming streaming games. We can transition to something in Philly yeah, for that. Twitch, yeah. Uh, and then Moxie Moxie Games, and then finishing up with U.S. Open Ultimate Championships. Is that when they like go out I'm on the U.S. Open? Like... Is that like the U.S. Open course, but with uh, 
like Mario Tennis or Mario Golf rules where like I'm somebody gets to throw like a Koopa shell at you. you said. Like I'm okay. interested in like the trampolines and that's like yeah, it's, and that's gonna may- be cool. Maybe cornhole. Yeah, I, I don't hate this. Middle of the summer, trying to get a little publicity, do something different. I like that. Not unlike Russ, you set up the transition, the uh, t- doing the Rocket League uh, regional from the TCN, which are different than the CSN studios in Philly, and then they'll broadcast it on CSN later in the day. Esports uh, increasingly becoming a thing. It's such a thing. Like the audiences and the money that they get for streaming, like. All these broadcasters, like Turner has a, a Friday night show that has that. ESPN has, I know, aired a lot of League of Legends stuff. I know they were doing Street Fighter recently. Um, yeah, it's the numbers that they get for uh, games and esports, it's already a thing. It's just on the local level, it's definitely not a thing. Yeah, I mean, I find it funny that they're putting it at, like, the Comcast Network is maybe the most old-school TV channel still in existence. I do find it funny they're going to be putting it from the same set as It's Your Call with Lynn Doyle and Lou Tilly Sports, whatever the fuck. Um, Lou! It's interesting that the the esports people don't actually care at all about having their stuff broadcast on cable. Because they see their market as obviously entirely people who are used to watching and unconventional, un nonlinear broadcasting, and like Twitch and YouTube is just how those people consume stuff. So it's it's actually more the networks who are like, hey, how do we bring in the younger people? Let's broadcast esports. Esports people to that to that care point. Less. I had a guy he listened to my Bleacher Report podcast drink. Uh, <laughs> Sims and Lefko, and he emailed me, and he's like, "Listen, like, Sims is Sims is so technology like illiterate that he doesn't understand any of this. He just he like doesn't understand that his children watch people play video games online. Like, he doesn't know why they do it. Um, so this guy contacted me, and he's like a big like film producer guy, and he was embedded in America's number one esports team." And he was trying to get me to talk to Bleacher Report about like signing up for a documentary series. And so I talked to him and I got all the information down and the numbers that he has are just absolutely staggering. And I went there and they were not interested in it, surprisingly. Hmm. Um, But I asked him, I said, you know, have you pitched this to a lot of places? He said, here's the problem. He said, the esports athletes don't care about television. He goes, they care about Bleacher Report, but they don't care about television. I said, why? And he goes, because they know that the TV people are going to tell the same dumb stories and they don't want to be a part of it anymore. Like they're smarter than the, he said, he said they're smarter than typical athletes where they just want to do their stuff and they're getting paid a lot of money to do it. And they don't need to be there with a reporter that's like, so are, do you really think you're an athlete? Like they don't want to talk about that. They want to be in demos that they already are. They're not, they're not interested in expanding to older demos. But like you said, all the older demos are like, how do we get our hands on this younger one? So it's, uh, there's, I know there's been a few instances already where traditional broadcasters have tried to change things during the games to make it more like broadcast friendly and they have not been happy. 
Yeah, no, and I don't blame them. It's it would be like saying, "Hey, we're gonna put your hockey game on TV, but we're gonna go with one blue line so there's less whistles." Like I, I don't blame those guys. I am uh, first give credit to the Sixers because there's a handful of NBA teams and owners who are ahead of this. The Sixers buying the esports team last year, they're like investing heavily and using their actual Sixers and I, I assume Devils and like all of the. Uh, resources they have as professional sports teams to kind of put these esports gamers into that framework in terms of travel and nutrition and it's it's pretty interesting i'm actually looking forward to the nba 2k 18 esports league the sixers will have a team i would suspect there will be an event at the wells fargo center where the games are on the jumbotron i think that's cool and the i think the big problem for the average person is like i have no idea what is going on if i see the league of legends or the overwatch stuff like i just don't understand those games enough to know what matters but we can all sit there and watch an esports basketball game and know exactly what's going on and I tried watching the final last year and it's actually it's it's reasonably interesting because you know it's a good way to get the common person in because it's it's with an activity you know if you all guys right. were going to be a professional esports gamer in any one game what would your best chance be all time or like just currently all time uh, I won an NHL 2002 or three uh, PlayStation tournament at an EB Games once. Uh, that was my game. Either that or the old NCAA football. But I would go NHL. That's my all-timer. Russ? ESPN NFL 2K5. T.O. on the cover? Yep. So Where they have precision the passing. Time, that was the first like, time that you could play inside the helmet. Yep. Uh, yeah, no, that no, that too. wasn't that wasn't the first year. I think the first year was one. It was like just called ESPN NFL, uh, the one that had Warren Sapp, I think, on the cover. Yeah, well, know but this: I would have beat, I would have busted your ass in that game. I still have that game, Lefko. So if we ever meet, which may yeah, never two, happen, uh, mine would be mine would be Madden two thousand eight. Okay. I Random. I wanted it. Well, I'm honestly any of the Maddens. Okay. Um, I was I was uh. I was a uh, world ranked top 100 online for a little bit in Madden. Um, I won no a shit. tournament. I won a tournament uh, at Syracuse in Madden, where the championship game I literally played behind my back, and in three games in the tournament I outscored people 121 to three, and the three only happened because the guy in the championship kicked a field goal just so that I wouldn't have shut out everybody. So, so I had, couple, I've had I have some a couple weird for you shit here. over the years. No, this is interesting. Yeah, you're to me. you're an obscure. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I just well, this you're is hard to, think you're just about hard it. to just read. Called, I was just a bro, so I played Madden, Halo, and beer pong. Like that was in addition to like making videos to hopefully pursue a career in broadcasting. Huh, a couple a, of questions what a here. Goofy Last idea show. that was. I, last show or two shows ago, I said, yeah, you're a gamer. You're like, nah, I don't play video games. And now you're telling me you were a world-class Madden player. So little, uh, a yeah. little confused there. Yeah, not anymore. Okay, well, I mean, he's if a, you were uh, ranked he, within the last 10 years, I'd say you can call yourself a, a pretty good video gamer. I used to make, like, that was like a second income for me, was people, like, challenging me in Madden. And then there was a few times where this was back when rushing attack was really big. I would I would play people in rushing attack for money because you could crank out like a lot of games in a short amount of time, and one time this guy agreed to play me a penny a point, uh, 
in rushing attack, like however many points someone won by, that's what it would be. That, and, that was the, like the mini game mode? In uh-huh. That? And they yeah, did okay. not realize that if you kept scoring touchdowns, your number was exponential. And I was already up like uh, 2,000. So it was like 20 bucks. Um, and I was about to break off an 80-yard touchdown. The dude would have owed me like uh, like 100 and something dollars, and he just caught me by the foot. But that was like a second income for me for a while. Like I would make like a quick 20 bucks and just go to the bar with that at Syracuse. That was like my plan. 20 bucks would go a long way in Oh, back in then? Mid-odds, oh, mid yeah. Um, another question. How many people... I did a Madden tournament once at Nova, and I can't, I lost in the finals, but it was like a 12-person thing. I'm assuming your Syracuse tournament had a significant number of participants. I won I won one in a bar, and that had like 20-something. And I, okay. I, I was the Eagles, and I ended up facing this guy that was wearing all-white camouflage with a toothpick. Uh, and I beat him and he was just, it was, it was shocking. Like he didn't shake my hand. People weren't ready for it. Cause apparently he was like the local hero that like didn't go to school there, but like only came out to play Madden tournaments. Uh, and then the one, uh, the one that was like in the dorm that I won, that was like 20 something too. Um, but yeah, they, they're never as big as you want them. It wasn't as big as the beer pong tournament. That was crazy. Interesting. This is very, just this is a, interesting. Oh, it is a weird Friday. Can I? I'm going to throw a wrench in this really quick. I kind of went ADD on you guys about four minutes ago, and I started researching this Kabaddi game that's going to be on uh, ESPN Eight The Ocho. It looks like gang tag, like seven guys against one guy, on what looks like an indoor volleyball court that they took the net off, and they just like are constantly in pursuit tackling, but they're it's almost like a running back has gotten caught with like a, a full goal line stand and he's trying to twinkle toes his way into the end zone. It is it is a very strange game. I'm watching the 2016 World Cup between India and Argentina and India absolutely laid the smack down on all of Argentina. Yeah, I'm sounds gonna, like I'm a handball pass on that. That's yeah, I'm out for me, on dog. That. Got it. Eight guys rolling or like trying to tackle each other. Yeah, I'm, I just I'm I don't. I'm is, just. Do I'm, they have I'm a really? Do they have then, a female version? Do they have a women's event? But they, like, it's so confusing because then it's then there's like a set where there's two sets of two Argentinian guys trying to tackle one right, Indian I guy. I'm, I'm very confused. Yeah, yeah I'm confused. Uh, I'll tell you what. Uh, we were not confused. We are on the right side of history. Uh, Pete Rose. Everything was canceled like a few hours after our podcast came out. Um, I do not think our podcast had any impact on that. But I'll, of course I'll, it did. I'll, I'll, I'll say it does. I'll say that they changed it just because of our podcast. Uh, but right move, it, I think we would all agree on that. Uh, I don't know what they're going to do now. I'm sure they're taking a hit financially, canceling a lot of these events. But um, yeah, I mean, I, what do you do with like 20,000 bobbleheads? So apparently it's thirty five, and apparently they're just going to be so destroyed. Thirty five thousand. Yeah, yeah, because they were expecting hope, a sellout. So I, I, hope I would they, have thought it would have been more. I hope they treat them like uh, like the Super Bowl jerseys, or the Super Bowl shirts for the losing team. They like send them to like Africa, 
And I hope that there's just like a village in Africa with 35,000 Pete Rose bobbleheads. Here's the, I, I like that, but here's the problem with that. They send the shirts there because those people need shirts. What the hell are they going to do with bobbleheads? Like, uh, like, I could use rice or a shirt, but you sent me this this jittering head. The, I hope that the there's like one guy that turns them into like a huge shrine and they don't know who Pete Rose is, but he becomes like their like aspirational leader. Uh, it becomes I also, a crop circle. Of, my other of advice would be just change the name because I've never seen a bobblehead that actually looks like the person. It's always like a generic guy. So like when we're getting ready to like honor Darren Dalton, just put Darren Dalton on the bottom. People will be like, kind of looks like Pete Rose. I'm like, nah, <laughs> I don't know. I could see it. Oh man. But apparently they, apparently they are destroying them. I, I, wanted no parts of the warehouse that is housing 35,000 Pete Rhodes bobbleheads. That would freak me the fuck out. Um, but yeah, they, they should see now you're talking about ESPN, the Ocho destroying 35,000 Pete Rose bobbleheads. I would watch that. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I, I watched one of my favorite YouTube videos is watching. There was a shipping vessel that was shipping like 9,000 Mazdas like 10 years ago and it capsized and they had to destroy all 9,000 of the cars on board and watching them systematically destroy like brand new cars is super fascinating because they have to drain all the liquid and take out certain parts. It's very, I feel like maybe watching bobbleheads would almost I be would, interesting. Or I would sell the bobbleheads to Pete Rose for his little stores. And he could sign know? them. I'm yeah, looking at the bobblehead right now. He's a walking pop-up shop. There is, there's pretty much no way to uh, to make this somebody else. It's got that terrible Pete Rose hair. There's, does it have a twelve-year-old girl next to him? There's, uh, he had to say it. Does it have like a real rapey grin? Um, <laughs> he looks like he's very serious. I'm only so, seeing Russ, it from the side. You, I can't. On the last podcast, you you said the whole th- like you made a thing about Iverson and Pete Rose, right? And we were like, look, we don't want to compare the two, but like we, I like we see how like why they're both relevant right now about like not doing the right thing, right? Yeah. So I go to Philly.com and in their sports section, there's literally an article right now about it's got like it says Rose and Iverson, it's Micah Silski column, yep. which I literally haven't read, but I'm commenting on, which is like the number one rule that you shouldn't do on the internet. Don't say the name, Kyle. But it's Rose and Iverson raise a big question. Why do we tolerate stars' dishonorable behavior? And it's like, I I just, I don't like putting Iverson in the same section as Pete Rose. I just don't. Like, not showing up to a big three event should honestly be celebrated, not punished. I don't think that like, that's Like, Iverson what... is saving his star power by not participating in this failing league. In a weird that way, wasn't... he's giving himself more street cred by by just bailing on yeah. the big three league. Attendance this is a Mike is not the same special. Thing. I saw the headline. Oh, Mr. Brookover. Thank uh, you. You had to say the name. There it Sorry. is. Sorry. Had to do it. Um, but see, like from from my vantage point, that wasn't what I was I was comparing Iverson and Pete Rose. I know you were for like I was. It's not that he missed the big three. It's just that I think it's sad to watch people that you might have might have really liked or even idolized, depending on your age, um, to have seen how Pete Rose played baseball or to watch how Iverson played basketball, and knowing that these guys were both you know that that kind of perfect model of of what a Philly athlete is, Bo with you know giving it all up and 
and, you know, putting your body on the line. And then seeing that, you know, decades after they're done, that one is a degenerate gambler and the other one is Allen Iverson. No, I'm just kidding. They're both they're both really de- degenerate gamblers. I think but. that's like when I was hearing people talk about Tom Brady yesterday about how he's 40 years old and he's so committed to the craft and he's so focused and stuff. And people are like, everyone should be like Tom Brady. It kind of goes to what I was saying about Carson Wentz, uh, about like that, like waking up every day. Like those people, to me, they're the crazy ones. Like Tom Brady, like waking up every day and being like, I have a higher purpose. I will be the greatest of all time. Like when I hear stories about Kobe and stuff, like we talk about how people should aspire to that. And I'm just going to be realistic. That's not normal. Like people that have vices that like cheat on their wives or like do these, like, like have gambling problems and stuff like that's a lot more common in our society than people that wake up every day and, and like execute now, like, should we all strive for that? Sure. But like, I also hear a lot of therapists tell their clients that perfection isn't attainable and I don't know, like, I I don't judge the Iversons of the world. Like, I definitely judge the Pete Roses because the whole, like, talking to, like, teenage girl things, like, that's not, like, getting lazy. That's, like, you have something wrong in your brain. But, like, if I was Iverson, like, yeah, I would probably gamble a lot and party too much because that's what normal people would do. So, like, I don't feel bad about, like, stuff like Iverson, like, what was he supposed to do right now? Like be the Magic Johnson and own like 70 Starbucks throughout the Philadelphia region? Like sure, but like I just I just think what he's doing is normal. Like I don't judge him for any of that. I just view it as sad. To me it's just But why? Like a, what's sad about what Iverson's doing? Because knowing that if if he didn't have a lifetime contract with Reebok and knowing but he that does. They, and Why don't we celebrate that? That's amazing. That was really no, smart. No, like on that his was part. A, that was a smart business decision on his part. But I'm I'm just saying that like conceptually, the the amount of players that I would I would venture have gone down a similar path, but haven't had that that crutch of a lifetime deal and a trust fund that has been put away by by a company for me because they knew I couldn't be trusted with money. Like the amount of athletes that have gone down that path, but haven't had that that you know insurance policy of sorts like it's sad because if he didn't have that he would be broke he'd be broken bumming like that's that's why i think it's sad so like and and i guess i kind of look at it from this isn't like oh what about the kids but like if if you're uh, looking to become a professional athlete right like if nothing else iverson kind of set set the table for the kind of thing that if you make it big that you should really be looking to do And and there are some of these athletes like uh car out in um in oakland who said that like the money's going to go away like the he only allows himself to have x amount of dollars per year he's not going to go and blow it all you know as being a, a a pro athlete who just splurges money because he has it it's just i i don't know i just think it's sad to see somebody not live up to i guess what what i might have thought of of what i thought Allen Iverson should have been like uh, we can uh, say right. that I, I need this i need to right, I, I need to Fine. interject here I think you are being way, way too goody shoe shoes about this. Is it is it slightly disappointing when you see that Iverson like still kind of like is just sort of like a fuck off and and doesn't give a shit? Yeah, a little bit. Totally, totally a reasonable take. But to to sit here 
and act like Allen Iverson is living in a box with a bottle of tequila attached to his lips is wholly inaccurate. The guy has any of us, any single person listening to this would give our left nuts for a 38 year, what is it, 38 years, a million dollars a year bonus on top of the biggest earnings period of your life, which was his decade in the NBA. Like this guy is not in trouble. If he has a ton of money, if he has a little bit of a gambling thing, fine. Like he can afford to go gamble. He can afford to go lose 50 grand one night. Can you eventually get yourself broke that way? Sure. It's really, it's going to be really goddamn tough though. When you have a million dollars coming in every year for the next 30 years and it's staggered like that. It's not like it's just sitting in a bank account that he can keep debiting out. So every year that he goes broke, he starts the next year not being broke again. So I don't really have like, I think I get what you're saying that it's disappointing to see like some of our, our favorite athletes are real screw ups. And like the whole 93 Phillies thing, it's just weird. All of those guys are, are, are fucked in the head. It's, it's kind of crazy. Like, it's kind of remarkable, but I don't like, you know, striving to be car. Like I hate the concept of people treating athletes like they're role models because there are always going to be better role models in society. And I think people are mostly waking up to the fact that not that all athletes are bad guys, but for the most part, athletes are just guys. They're just guys. Exactly. Like, like we have our Dr. J who like wears nice suits and shows up to events on time and is like an admiral for the game. And I love the fact that we have Allen Iverson, who's like the badass that doesn't show up. He still wears flat brim hats. He's still wearing baggies. Like he's still him. Like if and by Alan the way, Iverson speaking of going broke. Cut, yeah, if Allen Iverson was clean cut, like I would be like, dude, was that all a fraud back in the day? Like he's so himself that... He now, like, if he really gets in trouble, yeah, it's gonna be sad. But like, um, I don't know, man. He's living his life, so I'm cool with it. And speaking of going broke, Doctor J is the one who had to sell his estate and sell all of his memorabilia because he was legitimately broke. So, like, you know, I, I don't, I just don't get what you're driving at, Russ. Like, I know it's disappointing, but I think you're trying to turn these guys into. I like, think Russ is just heroes. Russ just wants to hug him and say, like, come on, man, you don't need to do all this stuff. And I get it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's um, how I'm going to feel when I watch the Eagles secondary this season. <laughs> well, can I just say th- there was like one positive thing. So let me let me like have a nice Whoa, heartwarming big lightning moment. So, here in New York. Whoa. Um, I don't know if you guys saw it. Uh, ben Simmons met with uh, a 12-year-old kid, Tyler Azowski, um, who has, I think, cerebral palsy. And the, the doctor, the nurse or somebody had tweeted out a picture of him after he had like another surgery and said that it'd be really cool if he could meet Ben Simmons and Ben, you know, responded saying like, let's make it happen. And, and it actually happened and it was really nice. And he threw, uh, the kid got to throw Ben Simmons a reverse alley-oop and probably made that kid's, that kid's day, week, year, life. So that was, that was a pretty this cool. This Sixers team is nice so thing. fucking awesome that it's like really hard. So you have that clip with Ben Simmons. Uh, you have, I watched Joel Embiid, work out and outshoot like Dirk Nowitzki yesterday, like down in Africa. That's amazing. And then the other clip that people were sending around of Nerland's Noel talking shit on Philadelphia. I was like, you guys are crazy. Nerland's Noel was leaving a club wearing a Phillies hat. And the guy said, Hey, you miss Philly. And Nerland smiled and said, nah, which any person who's leaving a club in LA should say, because 
no one is thinking about Philadelphia when you're outside of a club in LA. It's like the last thing in your mind. There are so many amazing things in like a 10 foot radius that Philly is literally last. And we can all admit that and it's okay. But when asked about Ben Simmons, where the guy was trying to get him to talk shit, he said, man, that guy's going to work so hard. So even a guy that like, we're not going to get back, even though no one is signing him and we'd love to have him back instead of Julio Okafor. This team is just great. Like, I, I feel like they never do make a mistake, even though ESPN has them finishing ninth and out of the playoffs, mainly because they want them, they want Lefko to win $20 off Russ. Yep. Uh, you know, that was the worst. Little, that model like, that said that the Sixers are going to win 33 games. They're like, it would be a real disappointment. I don't know how this guy's model worked. But Russ, like they, his, you realize they could only win 33 games. Like, that's like no, a they, thing. No. no, it's not. Not in the like, East. Not that's the year. only thing that scares could, me is I feel like all these playoff guarantees, like I was totally excited to just have no expectations for this season. And now it's like, I'm going to be upset if they don't make the playoffs, which is crazy. No, but like that, that model, right? Five more wins. Even if Embiid were to only play the amount of games that he played last year, which we obviously hope doesn't happen. If he only plays that many games, but you add Fultz and Simmons and Redick to the mix, like how do you only get five extra wins? The the East is is gonna be terrible. There's yes, all I, like, of these points make sense. I'm just telling you, it could happen. Yeah, if if, if the worst injury plague here, Russ, I got ever you. Happens, Russ, like, I used to get really excited in the early 2000s when Sports Illustrated would put out their magazine and it would say like Eagles over Colts in Super Bowl, and I would get really excited. And then Chris Berman would come up and his Super Bowl prediction, he'd pick the Eagles to win the Super Bowl. I got really excited. And then I began to realize that those fucking magazines don't mean shit. And that the Eagles never won the Super Bowl. And that why do I care about these preseason predictions? The only prediction that I think should be really accurate is when doctors predict the birth date of a child. Like, I wish there was a way to do that. Do you know the percentage accuracy in which doctors actually predict the birth date of a child as two people who have children? What percentage do you think it is? It's very low. 12. What do you think it is, Russ? It, it might actually be single digits. Like seven. It is 4%. Yeah, so these doctors tell these parents, you're going to have a birth on October 4th. And they go, let's plan for that. Four yeah, percent of the time, they're right. Yeah, well, but Adam, that's that, that's different, though. So, okay, it's literally, when's the just, last like, time? literally, because all they do is they try to track back to when the woman's last cycle was. Right, I was, I was, plan, I wanted to see out. how Russ would word this. I wanted to see and how you they, would gracefully do this. Go ahead. They plan okay. out the months from that, so it's not like it's not like you go into the hut of a shaman <laughs> and, and and like oh, and no, ask I them get and it, ask them I'm and ask them about your like future career will Susie marry but me Russ, like, no that's Russ here's what I'm saying if they've always backtracked and then they project forward and they get it right four percent of the time I think it's time they change how they figure this out because it's not accurate what yeah, I'm Adam, saying is so what I'm what I'm saying that. is is that these predictions for you to get upset about someone saying the Sixers are only going to win five more games it's going to be wrong and the thing is, is that there is no website, I don't know how this hasn't worked, like there's no place yet, that tracks predictions. There's none. 
And every year we listen to these predictions and every year we ask people what their Super Bowl picks are and we never check to see who's right, ever. So like the fact that we just every year just go, oh, can you believe this prediction? Yeah, they probably do these things to get Sixers fans engaged on Twitter. That's what I would do if I was making predictions. I would only, I like the Cowboys and, and Raiders and stuff, I would predict them to have awful records because their fan bases are so huge. And like, I would just, who cares? Go willy-nilly. No one remembers next year. It's a sham. Uh, I things. do remember. Go ahead, Kyle. Um, one, I remember back, I think it was 97 or 98, that, Sports Illustrated predicted the Flyers over the Avalanche, and that was the highlight of my year. And, and um, you were super pumped about it. I was. I were. I know exactly the feeling you're talking about. Every year, oh, they picked our team, and this means we're totally going to win. No one knows. Uh, second, Adam, I would be really interested to hear your alternative uh, to predicting the birth date because I'm beginning. I'm beginning. I'm beginning to think you've uh, you've never been around a woman. No, I'm wow. just, I'm just, I've, I, I have never, that is true. Like, I've never, I've never seen a vagina. Uh, what is that you speak of? No, I'm just saying that, um, I don't think anyone's looked at the prediction <laughs> process. I think, <laughs> they, I think they have. No. You know, ma'am, uh, like, if I is... see this, if I see this correctly, you are going to have so, Russ, a very explain to me extended how they do it pregnancy. Russ, ex- <laughs> they, explain they, it to me again. They go back and they track when the the woman's last menstrual cycle was to figure okay. out when, like, what the 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 fertility window is, which is like I think about a week after after that happens, and right. then they plan out the months from there. Because there's a very narrow. Um, try to think how to word this. There is there's a, there's a narrow a, fertility window with right. Like you yeah. can't no, you I can't. Mean, some people could go in period. there and say yes, we're pretty sure this is the day that it happened, but most people can't. So. The, the doctor goes back and figures, okay, it was most likely within like this 36-hour this window. And then they just like literally project out a certain number of days from there. Yeah, and that's no, it. See, it's just a math that's, problem. That's the first flaw. First flaw <laughs> is you need to treat it like it's a court of law. And it's what, where were you on the night of August 12th? And we are going to pinpoint the exact day uh, that this happened. Okay? Which, which day did you feel a lot of love between you two? Which, which day did you feel really successful? Um and then, uh, and then also, like that's not accurate. But then they yeah, would just add a number of days to it, whatever it is. I, like, I got like, they they got to figure out a way that like you're testing the body and like certain reactions. Like it needs updated dates. I want it like a deck. Oh, you know what? We might come in one week later. You know, the the materials aren't here yet. I I, I need an adjusting schedule. He's come. He's like you're tapping for knee reflexes. Just... They need like they need like celebrity. Uh, celebrities to predict to predict it like uh, or like to give the news like that I like I actually like that Geico commercial with boys to men with the uh, the side effects to the medication like you need to you need to have this is a really oh this point. is so great this Russ is, you is, are totally a I love this commercial guy now I that like I usually don't like those Geico commercials but I think no that no that's what like. I'm saying but you're definitely a guy that if I were watching TV with you you'd go oh I love this commercial and in severe cases, severe uh, So I've decided um, that uh, this is the summer of Nelson Aguilar. And yeah. I think it's going to be really interesting. And uh, Kyle, I think that we should chronicle who thinks uh, in, the, in the Philadelphia media, who thinks that Nelson Aguilar is going to have a big year. 
Now, I want us to make predictions on this podcast too. I have decided this year that I am not making any predictions on anything until after the third preseason game. Like for my other podcasts on Bleacher Report, Drink, uh, <laughs> Sims and Lefko, I'm we're going to do like division winners and all that stuff after the third preseason game because I just – I wouldn't make bets – in the NFL games until Sunday morning, I don't feel like making predictions until I see all of the injuries come out. Um, but I think we should we should eventually decide which of us are believing the Aguilar hype and which of us are not. Because I do think that it's going to be a divided uh, Eagles fan base. Like, a, like half of them are going to go, no, I think this is exactly what he needed. And the other half are going to be like, I'm not buying into this shit. I want him to be successful because oh, of where do. he was because of where he was drafted but like I, I don't even care I want him to be successful because it'll help the Eagles like I don't care where he was drafted yeah I think there's a little bit more I, I I put a little bit more into how much I care about a guy being successful if if he was drafted high but like that's I guess it's an okay storyline and and hopefully it it works out with him being in a much less pressure-filled situation. I know people are, like, up in arms that Alshon Jeffrey's hurt and he's missed a few straight days of practice and he's supposedly going to miss the first preseason game. And I look at that and I and I, I could not care less that he's missing practice or a preseason game. Like, is it a little bit of a bummer? Yeah. I don't, but ultimately, I don't want to play. Ultimately, that guy's gonna, like, ultimately, that guy's going to run down the field, be a big wide receiver, big people beat up little people unless they play for Chip Kelly. And he's going to score touchdowns, and life is going to be great. Yeah, but the problem is he – I agree with you. I don't care if he plays in the preseason, but I do care if he's actually hurt. And if he's got a shoulder – like, it's it's just – it's not a good sign. The guy's had a have we history had a, of nagging have we had a Doug? Have we had a Doug Peterson not being honest about injuries yet? Like, I feel like Doug is always too honest. Yeah, no, he's Doug's Doug's too dumb to hide to lie. Yeah, that's why that's why I'm not he's worried an, about him hiding book. anything because he's just he'll be like, oh yeah, no, Jeffrey, no, with the meniscus. And everybody's like, what do you mean the meniscus? <laughs> yeah, this is like who killed Roger Rabbit instead of who framed him. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, his uh, rotator his... cuff. Yeah, yeah, you know, like he tore his. You know, his, everybody knows he tore his rotator cuff, but it really wasn't. It wasn't a full tear. It was only a partial tear. Yeah, no, I understand. The entire media room just goes dead silent. I know Kyle's saying it's like, hey, Alshon's been hurt before. This is scary. My thing is just keep him out. Like, I'm cool with him and, like, Garrett Blunt, whatever his personal time is missing. Like, I don't need them this time of year. Um, But I, I, I am leaning more towards, like, it's weird. Like, I'm leaning more towards thinking this would be a big year for Nelson Aguilar but I don't think that's going to be my prediction. Like I know Kyle is not betting on Nelson. The no, the better bet would be who's going to have more catches, receiving yards and such between Aguilar and and Jordan Matthews because Jordan Matthews is the guy I'm actually more concerned about being injured. Oh, let's do uh, some prop bets here. I'll I'll set up, I'll set up the stakes. Well, that's what I'm saying. Uh, I don't like to do this until week 3 of the preseason. No, we're going right, to so. do it today. We're going to do 3. We're going to do 3 right now. More more catches. This season, Jordan mm, Matthews know. or Alshon Jeffrey? Wait, say that again? More catches, Jordan Matthews or Alshon Jeffrey? 
Alshon Jeffrey, not even taking a second. Yeah, I think they might even like. I'm I'm curious if because Jordan Matthews is entering a contract year and Nelson Aguilar has like two more years left or three more two or more years left, um, do they start phasing out Jordan Matthews and focusing on the other guys? Like I'm curious about that. That That's how skewed awfully, I think it's going to be. That seems awfully Machiavellian. I think Jordan Matthews. Oh, you is mean going to you mean in a excellent. league? You mean in a league that's not hiring a quarterback who's more talented than half of the starters because they don't want to upset the fans? This whole league is Machiavellian. It's first, all right, we're, here comes the Kaepernick. Well, hold on, show. do your prop. He is not better than half of the. He's better than Say he's I'm, better than uh, eight starters right now. Maybe. Maybe. Which is like a third Hello, of the league. Um, okay, so I, I I think you can make... What if we did a minus seven for uh, Jordan Matthews in that situation? On I'm, over I'm still taking Alshon. See, I, yeah, I, 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 I think they're both going to miss games. But I think Carson's going to force feed to Alshon, and Alshon is... It's not even force feeding. Better. He's the best receiver on the team. You, they, no, I, they, I, like, no, I'm 40% like saying, of the game he, plan should be to him. I think he's going to prefer to like throw in the double and triple teams with Alshon Jeffrey than he is to a wide open Jordan Matthews because we've watched Jordan Matthews stone hand. Now I see. I disagree. I, hold on. I disagree. I'm not a, a Jordan Matthews dro- drops dropped a lot of balls and is is also super frustrating the last couple. But of he's years. related to he's, Jerry Rice. He's going to be the best Eagles can receiver I ever. One point, just one. I guess. So right. he is actually he's not that bad. He was asked to be the the starting the top wide receiver on a team that had a rookie quarterback. He's just been top wide receiver the last two years, and he's just not that caliber of player. And yet, he has actually put up pretty good numbers and had some staggering catch catch and target amounts per game. You, When you take the pressure off of him and you put a guy like Alshon on the outside, maybe you have Torrey Smith as a deep threat or an improved Nelson Aguilar, and Jordan Matthews is in his more natural slot position much more often this year, I think he's going to see a lot of targets. He might not be put up gaudy 100 plus yard games, but I could see him turning in a whole bunch of like nine receptions, 99 yard sort of performances. I think that's totally doable for him. And I think he gets a bad rap because he was asked to do more than he's capable of. But I actually think as a second or third option, he is one of the, he, he would be one of the better, best slot receivers in the league. I, I would, I'm pretty confident in that. Are people that bad? Like, I feel like all the negativity went to Nelson Aguilar. Like, I don't, like I don't really hear a lot of Eagles fans badmouth Jordan Matthews at all. I think he's been he has been the best receiver for the last two three years. No, and I do think it's been did. unfair. Well, man, he's had some drops, but you know, like you're saying, like yeah, he'll have those games where he has seven catches and he could have had eleven. You know what I mean? He's always mm-hmm. to me, it's always like a man. What could have been? Like you were good, but what could have been? Uh, I think the reason it's annoying is because he came out of Vanderbilt where all I fucking heard was he had 140 catches in the toughest conference in football. He's got incredible hands. And then every game, there's like one moment where you're like, man, that that third and six would have been really nice, Jordan. He also spent an entire season, uh, the Bradford year. I mean, Bradford got him blown up literally once a game. I remember going back and doing a a super cut of this. And once per game, you can count on Bradford throwing a ball that nearly got Jordan Matthews' head lost. And he always always plays really well against Dallas, which I really appreciate. It's like you have to be an affiliate athlete. Kyle, I'd be willing to bet you that that Jordan Matthews more likely – averages somewhere between 65 to 75 yards a game. Then he does like closer to 99. 
I didn't say he was going like to average a, 99. I said I don't think I think there's going to be weeks where he could put up high catch, yeah, high catch I numbers th- without a ton, like you know, averaging 10 yards per catch. I I think this like there are a few questions that I have that will impact Jordan Matthews. One, what are we going to get out of Torrey Smith? Like everyone's like seemingly excited, but like you want to talk about like injuries and like unreliability. That's been like the hallmark of Torrey Smith's career for the better part of the last five years. The other question is, oh, baby, what are we going to get out of Zach Ertz this year? Which is like the question of the decade. Because if Zach Ertz is end of the year Zach Ertz, like Jordan Matthews is now like the fifth option. It's it's how the world turns. It's going to be quick. Um, but, you know, and, and do, do they really throw to Donnell Pumphrey a lot? So... I just, I really, it kind of looks more and more like Jordan Matthews is the odd man out. And I think that when you hear rumors like we did a week ago that Jordan Matthews missed not because of an injury, but because he was upset that he was not given an extension and was getting paid $1.1 million, that upset a lot of people in the organization. Those kind of things impact how coaches plan out their season. It they it really does. And so that's why I'm I'm kind of looking at Jordan Matthews as going from like the number 1 option to the number 4 option. It's crazy. Um, I just have to come. say that this this year from what I'm hearing coming out of Novacare is that Zach Ertz is primed for his eighth breakout year. Yeah, Zach. Well, so here's the thing, here's the thing about Ertz. Wentz in him every year for now, I like literally probably the fourth or fifth straight year, however long he's been in the league, is like, oh, this is his breakout year. And he's only good after Thanksgiving. I mean, he crushed it. He actually made me a lot of money on DraftKings last year because as an Eagles fan, I was like, this is the Zach Ertz week where he turns into a real player and he's $3,700 on DraftKings. Um, this is the first year where he's got a stable quarterback situation. And by all accounts, when you listen to Wentz talk and him talk and all the reports, like he is Wentz's guy in practice. And Alshon has is missing three days, doesn't help him develop that rapport with Wentz. So I'm pretty confident that if there's a year, if Zach Ertz is ever going to be the guy that we think he is. And I don't think he's going to be the end of season guy last year. He put up like an 11 catch total one game, I think in December. I don't know if we're going to see that from him, but if we're going to see some level of consistency, call it seven catches per game or what have you, this is going to be the year because he has developed clearly Wentz and him have a thing going on, which is great. Um, I'm ready to make a bold prediction. Go ahead. My bold prediction is at the end of the year, Eagles fans will be asking for more Trey Burton than Zach Ertz. See, I'm That's a, fair. I like Trey Burton a Trey lot. Burton, you know what I like about Trey Burton that Zach Ertz doesn't do? Trey Burton can make a man miss and go 40 yards. Zach Ertz is breathed on and gets tackled. Um, I, I think Zach Ertz has the body. He's got the athleticism. He can move. Uh, he can go up and, and high point a ball over a secondary guy, but I've never seen Zach Ertz break a tackle in my life. I know that's like a running Jimmy Kemsky uh, joke, but I think Trey Burton, like the same reports that you're reading, I'm reading Trey Burton split out wide and took on the corner. I could see Trey Burton lining up and then being motioned out a lot because do, remember, do you remember what group Trey Burton ran with? I think he ran with 
the wide receivers in the combine when he came out of Florida. Uh, Trey Burton played quarterback at Florida. Trey Burton played running back at Florida. And I think he is our multidimensional tool. And Zach Ertz is our lineup guy. Like, there are some times where I'd rather have Selleck in the block and Burton as the guy than Selleck and Ertz. That's just me, but that's my bold prediction. Bold predictions are thought are supposed to be a little bit out there. That's mine. I, I don't think it's un, I don't think it's unreasonable. I like I like Burton a lot too. Um, I just think if there's going to be a year where Ertz proves that he is a is a you know not elite but a plus level solid consistent tight end this is going to be it and if it's not this year then it's never going to happen this is probably the first year that he's had consistent going into the season know who's going to be throwing to me has developed a rapport with the guy that's that's the only thing I'm really basing it on is the fact that uh, he seems to be Wentz's target which is more important than than pretty much anything when it comes to being a receiver I have another – this is not a bold prediction. This is what I would like the Eagles to do to fix the secondary. Do you guys mind me, like, going this deep on Eagles shit, Russ? I know this, like, hurts your heart that we're not talking union. No, go ahead. It's okay. Russ, you sure? Yeah. <laughs> so the Eagles signed Corey Graham. Why is it that... like I hate the Eagles? I don't hate the Eagles. I just hate – Russ, this, I hate, is called, like, really... this, is, we're, this is called kayfabe where you play along to your character, even though you don't believe it. Oh, man, come on. I want Derek Jones. Thank you. It's also called Skip Baylessing. I really appreciate it. Uh, Eagle signed Corey Graham, guy that started two straight years at safety for the Buffalo Bills. Solid guy. Not a big deal. I was texting my friend Dan this, though, yesterday. Uh, I think our corners are going to be historically bad again. Um, and I'm looking at this team and I think I've decided that I want McLeod at one safety. Um, I forget who I want at the other safety. I want Malcolm Jenkins playing corner this year. Uh, I want Jalen Mills. I want Ron in the middle of the field. Um, but I want uh, Ron Brooks playing in the slot, Malcolm Jenkins and Jalen Mills on the outside. Good. And then I want McLeod and Terrence Brooks at safety with Hicks and Bradham at linebacker. Um, I think Malcolm Jenkins is a good corner. He played corner early in his career. Um, and I would rather get three safeties on the field, which is good tackling, than, than putting another one of these shitty corners out there after what I saw all of last year. That's just, Wasn't that's this your what draft did. strategy? Did he want the Eagles to draft a safety? Yes. And, I wanted, I wanted this, the Eagles to be the first three safety system. Um, and then I forgot that Malcolm Jenkins could play corner anyway. So uh, that's what Mc, McLeod's specialty is covering in space. So I would have him covering over whoever the other corner is. But um, yeah, I just, they need to figure out a way to get the best players on the field. And I think we have better safeties than we have corners right now. What do Skip, you make? Skip, I have to say that I love Corey Graham. He is a very close personal friend of mine. But he should be allowed nowhere near the football field. Can I get an underdog, a Druvy dog? Well, it all depends. Nerland Noel, he uh, <laughs> he he got opposed by TMZ Sports, locked on sixes. By the way, Russ, if you do Stephen A. Smith again, the key is you need to do the bam. We've been bamboozled. We've been hoodwinked. Uh, you need to do that whole thing. All right. Okay. Um, What's up, Kyle? It's a glove. Never mind. Um. Uh, what was I going to say? Oh, so what do you make of the Eric Rose situation? Because I've 
every time I see a tweet or watch him uh, stick uh, another team's top wide receiver, I forget who it was last year that he played really well. Uh, AJ Green, I think. Every time I see he had a Eric great Rowe game to... in the Super Bowl. Yes, yeah, yeah that too. He um, like every... that incredible Julio Jones catch on the drive that they didn't finish. Uh, he was step for step with Julio Jones, even though he caught it. It was incredible coverage. Yeah, he, and he's always going to be infamous for the Thanksgiving game against Calvin Johnson here, where he just got. It was a horrible situation to put a rookie in. That oh, was, hey, here, that on was the road the on national TV. Go cover Calvin Johnson. Good luck. Yeah, that was bad. Um, what yeah, do you with make no safety though? help. Right, yeah. What, what do you make of it, though? Because every time I see that he does something well, I tweet something snarky like, hey, would be nice to have him. Granted, Bill Belichick is not here, and for all the reasons that I'm down on Blunt, because I think Belichick is a master and is able to get a lot out of players that other people can't, certainly Rowe's going to have more success in New England than he would have anywhere else. But clearly, he has some level of ability where he would be 100% contributing on the slop yeah. that these Eagles have in their So in the there back. are two things. I've yeah. talked with Mike Lombardi, who now works at The Ringer, and we've had him on, I'm not going to do it again, my other podcast multiple times. Is that um, what's the name report? of that podcast? Uh, the that... name of the podcast is Sims and Lefko, available Lefko on and iTunes. Lefko and Sims? Oh, oh Sims and Lefko. Yeah, Sorry. Sims and Lefko. The New York Post uh, one time referred to us as Lefko and Sims, and that was like... I saw you homework. correct don't forget, Don't forget to uh, subscribe and leave a three-star review. I mean a five. No, four? Five. Five, sorry. Okay, got it. Thank you, Russ. You're the best. Um, and what he told us was is that, that that defense that they were asking him to play before Jim Schwartz, because that was the cornerback. That what, Who was the, the defensive coordinator before Jim Schwartz? Billy Davis, right? It was the worst yeah. system for his skill set. And that what Bill asks you to do, which is – a lot of contact, jamming at the line of scrimmage, and then kind of run with them was perfect for Eric Rowe. So there is a different system. But my take on the whole thing is, what were we doing before we traded him? We were celebrating how he rose for getting rid of Kiko Alonso and getting rid of Byron Maxwell, getting rid of DeMarco Murray. And I think Eric Rowe was like, it, like the the they just got got carried away of getting rid of all of those pieces. It's funny that the one piece they didn't get rid of was Marcus Smith, and that ended up just being a late cut. Uh, but I think he just got so caught up in moving pieces and restarting and that they probably shouldn't have moved him. But um, also, it just... It kind of like you never know what kind of energy a guy is bringing to the locker room, and I'm not going to sit here and say that he was a bad energy, but you just don't know. But I think that I think how he got a little carried away and started trading everybody. Like, would I like Kiko now instead of Michael Kendricks? Hell yeah, I like Kiko. Was I? Do I look at it now and go, I would absolutely trade Kiko and Byron Maxwell to get the eighth pick and then flip that into Carson Wentz? Absolutely. Like that trade, I still think we're going to come out winners on. But the Eric Rowe one, um, look, the, the Patriots are the perfect example, Kyle. Patrick Chung was great on the Patriots, came to the Eagles. Our system was the worst system for him. He sucked so bad, went back to the Patriots, and is now a Super Bowl championship again and a key cog in that defense. Bill Belichick, when he gets a player, goes, what does this guy do the best? Okay, that's what I'm going to have him do. 
the Eagles go, here's what we do. Can you do this? And that's what's tough. I um yeah, I listening to you rattle off those names that Roseman traded away, and again, I will couch this in. I know that trading Kiko uh, and Byron Maxwell allowed them to move up and get Wentz, which I would do again as well. But he, seeing what DeMarco Murray did last year, seeing what Eric Rowe did last year, and seeing that I I was always high on Kiko, and again, would do the trade again. So before you tweet me and before you at me on this, I would do it again. But Kiko was so hampered by injuries that year he was here he, that even when he came back, you remember what he, that catch he had against the Falcons in the opener. And then he got hurt. And then he came back, and he was all sorts of banged up. He hadn't worked out in two months. He was clearly out of shape. He couldn't tackle anybody. He was down to like 220 pounds or something ridiculous. Everything you talked about in the last show, like he had dropped weight. He, he wasn't ready to compete in the NFL at that point. Seeing him and Byron Maxwell actually have a little bit of success with the Dolphins, yeah, like it, it kind of stung. The irony of the whole defensive coordinator thing you talked about with Eric Rowe is that it was Jim Schwartz who – it sounds like wanted Roe gone more than Roseman wanted Roe gone. And if you're saying Lombardi was like, hey, Schwartz's system actually would have been better for Roe, that's sort of a, a weird irony in that. But Yeah, no, I think uh, I think Belichick's was the system that I was talking about with Lombardi. But, no, that's the uh, thing, okay. too. But that's the other thing, too, about the NFL that's so frustrating is the coaches are like, no, I want to bring in my guys. So he brought in Ron Brooks, his guy from Buffalo. Uh, and he brought in Nigel Bradham. These coaches, they love their guys, and if a guy wasn't their guy, they typically don't like to see that person succeed because they want their guys to succeed. It's the thing that's so frustrating about the NFL is that I always think there's like eight teams in a given year that are trying to win the Super Bowl and 24 teams where the GM and the coaches are trying to keep their jobs and they're just building their resumes around their guys. And it's really annoying. But the more, like the more and more I cover the league, the more and more I realize, like, not every team's trying to win the championship. The Eagles feel like exactly the team you just described, going back to the coaching hire and everything that's followed. When you first get hired, you're trying to win a championship. Once you reach the hot seat year, you start to see how people react, and typically it's the older guys that really try and save their job, the John Foxes, the Jeff Fishers, they start manipulating and playing front office politics. Doug Peterson is a first-year head coach. I don't think he's doing that. I think this guy's going to try and win it all. My fear, as it is always with Doug Peterson, I just don't know if he's going to know what to do, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. Should we wrap it there? Yeah, I mean, uh, hey, oh man, we didn't even see, we didn't even get to, to wrap back around to uh, to Colin Kaepernick. We were talking about the Dolphins. They I don't think know. I don't good. think our Tannehill's going to be listeners... out for the season. Wait, we got a then, good question here, and they might bring Jay Cutler out of retirement. Ah, oh, it's from. I'm at, glad I'm not a Dolphins fan. At Mark Peasley, he wants our Beach House 2.0, the wives of Philly athletes. So I could, I don't know if you guys are. I don't know any wives. I'm going to go no, just on this. Of course, Kyle knows them, but. Yeah, I'm big on this. Kyle uh, should. So... If I was Kyle and I ran a website that, like, does a lot of, like, undercover Philadelphia stuff, I'm following. Like, I would create a Twitter list of just wags. I might actually have Ilya one. Brizgalov's wife. No, so I'm starting uh, off. Any, any good Philly housewife, shore house, got to have a Jen Utley. She runs shit. Oh, this is easy. You go Jen Utley. 
You go, Jen Utley, she's got a little bit of a, of a streaky bitch side. I, I will never forget the time the Utley's publicist called me and threatened me because I posted a picture of baby Utley, and apparently Jen was very upset about this development. I would be upset if you posted a picture of my baby without asking. You I would agree. She, she sent the picture out to friends and family, and someone forwarded it to me. Um, that was my Us Weekly moment. I'm proud of it. I did oh, take the yeah. picture down, though, because I was scared shitless. Um, oh, so Jen Utley. Uh, Heidi Hamels, easy. She will take her clothes off. This is easy for doing a reality show. It's, you know, she's going to take her clothes off for a piece of shrimp. Well, she did. She, like, literally took her clothes off on national TV and was in Playboy. I'm not, like, exaggerating. I'm just going to say this is your second moment in the podcast where I've been like, Kyle's a creep. And number three, just to mix things up, I'm going to go Kijafa Vic or Kijafa Frank, who was, I believe, the woman who wrote the tell-all about Michael Vick. And uh, I gave uh, fashion editor Dan actually read the book for us. Uh, we did a review. We got a PDF preview of the book, which was littered with typos. Uh, so I did a mini review of the book on the website and trashed it and got a got nasty emails from Kijafa, who was um, upset with my takedown of her tell-all about Michael Vick. She would spice things up in the house. So you go Jen Utley to, to run shit and be sort of like the, the resident biatch. You go Heidi Hamels, super nice, wants to save the world, may or may not take her clothes off in a given episode, and Kijafa, Kijafa Frink, who wrote the Vick book. Done. Super house. Massive ratings. Biggest That's, ratings. Huge. The best. That was really something. Anybody else I would, got a wife? I want to do, do a... Carson Wentz newlywed game where he takes girls on the most wholesome dates ever and then goes to like weekly Bible study. He's and got we a girlfriend. See which we, oh, does he? Oh, yeah. Do you What's follow her? Name? Why wasn't she part of the house? Kyle? Yeah, why isn't uh, she part of the house? She, I was going to say she played volleyball in Arizona. That was Nick Foles' wife. Uh, no, she's say, like... She looks like every girl, every guy dated at one point in high school. Like, she is the complete antithesis of what every other athlete... She is the, like, girl next door to a T. If Carson Wentz didn't marry the girl next door, I would be, like, really confused. Like, uh, I I need Carson (laughs) Wentz to marry someone that, like, bakes cookies regularly. Yeah, that's kind of the vibe she gets off. I want him to, to, like, marry a, like, a, a reformed like came back to god kind of like somebody who was like a like a, a tattoo artist no at a, like a really shady place why but are then you trying to she ruin met our carson. franchise no, listen because that but then she met carson and they started they started doing bible studies together and now he turned her life around those people are always faking it she's like i i would be very concerned that she was just saying all that shit to make Carson happy. I need a girl that like literally looks at Carson and is like, he's my light. He's my savior. And he gets me closer to God. Like, that's what I need for Carson. All while putting out a nice rhubarb pie on the, uh, Oh yeah. On the windowsill. And like like, has way too many rhinestones on her t-shirts. So here you go. This is from the New York post that Carson Wentz's girlfriend, a perfect, this is, it's so Carson Wentz. It's classic, a perfect North Dakota, uh, relationship uh now that he's got a win under his belt carson is flying high with the eagles not to mention his girlfriend melissa urich too a fellow north dakota native urich and longtime uh bay Bo Bo wentz are high school sweethearts though the couple went to different colleges wentz to north dakota and urich to concordia in minnesota they both excelled on the field as athletes she ran cross country so yeah it's his high school sweetheart Oh man, I, okay, so I did this, I did this thing one time where I talked about if you could invest in a baby, 
which baby would you invest in? And this was back when Jeter and Hannah Davis were pregnant. Uh, Jay-Z and Beyonce were pregnant. Serena Williams and the founder of Reddit and George Clooney and like his insanely intelligent, politically active wife were pregnant. (laughs) I'm betting Um, on that kid. And I will say this, man, throw Carson Wentz and his track uh, girlfriend in the mix. That is going to be an athletic ginger just getting seasoned here in the tri-state. I'm excited. Here she is firing a rifle with uh, with uh, bullets. Hell yeah, door. lock and load, yeah. lady. Right. There you go. Mini there golf. Go. Oh, these pictures are. You got to see the New York Post article. Mini golf, hoodies at hoodies at the fair, high school dance. Here's a picture of of Carson and her standing what looks to be in the desert, and he's got like a a button down shirt that is maybe one size too big. I'm guessing senior year of or no, it's had to be when he was in college, and she's got. Like, like, not even the prom, not the prom look, but like that formal you go to where you don't need to wear formal clothes. It's just like a a somewhat nice dress up dance. She's wearing that outfit. Here they are uh, putting together to, uh... car license plates in a garage. Yeah, th- this is very. You need wholesome. to include that link in the uh, the post when you put it on the website. I'll try to remember. Just I so always forget, but I will try to remember. People can have that that with them. No, I love how um, nerdy Carson Wentz is with his nerd ass. Though Wentz and Ulrich uh, enjoy a game of mini golf every now and then, the fair-haired beauty loves herself some girl time and patriotic-themed BBQ with pals. <laughs> oh, that's nice. You gotta love that's the New really, York Post. That's really. I just love streamers. Really <laughs> Can I? Uh... All right. Maybe I shouldn't say what I was gonna say. I'll be the best no, part about this the best part about this mute button on this TriCast thing is I can fart and you guys have no idea. Well, now we do. Um, I. I, I love that we just had such a, a positive moment. Can I just really quickly mention how angered I was when I saw Marshall Harris tweet that he's hearing that neither, uh, I think it was Markel Fultz nor J.J. Redick, or it was like, yeah, I think it was Markel Fultz or J.J. Redick are going to be starters on the team uh, for the Sixers this year. It, it That made me blow a gasket. I don't know why that just popped in my head. It really just killed the entire good vibes and mojo that we had wait, going what on. Did he, wait, who said what? Marshall Harris. Said? Said that uh, it was like a, let me, I, I gotta pull up the tweet, but it was something about how uh, he's hearing that Mark Helfoltz isn't gonna start, and I think that he said JJ, JJ Reddick's not gonna start, so I made the joke. Alright, good, the, the TJ, the TJ McConnell Jared Bayless, uh, or no, I, you know, it might have been Fultz and Covington. I'm looking for it. Russ, this is Oh, here we go. It's, it was, alright, so it was no, 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 here it is. So, uh, Amy Fadul, no, CSN Philly, uh, Camarado joins Amy Fadul and Marshall Harris to discuss possible starting line for Sixers, and he said, yes, JJ is coming off the bench, and so is Covington, and so is Fultz. That's what people are telling us. Who the hell is now, starting? I don't know, now, I don't know if he meant that as that's what people using, like, hashtag Sixers talk were saying, but he has it as his pinned tweet on his, uh, on his account. How many retweets if, does it have? One. Well, that doesn't make sense. People only usually pin things. They're like, they're it's like their Twitter dick. They're like really proud of it. Yeah, it's it's really strange. Like I Russ, do you I have don't... a pin tweet? No, I don't. Oh, we gotta get Russ a pin tweet. I, I, don't. I don't really I care tw- who I starts. Tweet, I care who. I, I want to know what their I want to know what their game well, situation of five is. I don't care about who starts. If, if JJ Covington and Fultz don't start. Then that means you probably have like Stauskas and McConnell, or like Stauskas and Bayless as your starting backcourt. 
It just doesn't make sense. He may have it's been weird. trolling people, and he may have just taken the bait. That doesn't, not, none of that makes a lick of sense. Yeah. I, all right. All right. I saw it, and it upset me. Mm. Russ. All right. Let's give it a wrap. That was a fun one. I like Fridays. It was nice that we were... It's like, nice that we were all here again. That yeah, was, that was I like good. Friday episodes because I know I have two days in between hearing from you assholes again instead of one. Aw. Zing. That's so sweet. No, I'm just That's kidding. very nice of you. All right, hit us up on the iTunes with a five-star review and a comment. We'll make sure to read it on Monday. Uh, enjoy your weekend. Uh, before we go, let's take a quick moment. Uh, to have a moment of silence for all of the Sixers, Eagles, Flyers, and Phillies and their health as we are currently in ACL epidemic season. As thunder roars in New York City, tweet at Russ at Joy on Broad, tweet at Kyle at Crossing Broad, or tweet at myself at Adam Lefko, L-E-F-K-O-E. Let's keep the conversation going online. Appreciate you guys very much. This is Crossing Broadcast. Love you guys. Have a good weekend.